thanks so much to Lainey Cameron and her book, The Exit Strategy, for sponsoring today's episode. I'm thrilled to share that my fellow podcaster Lainey Cameron's award-winning novel, The Exit Strategy, is on sale this week for only 99 cents. Winner of 10 book awards and an Amazon number one bestseller, this is a book that has been called Unputdownable and a provocative, edgy page turner. Set in Silicon Valley, tech executive Carly can't wait to marry the man of her dreams, but her world is turned upside down when she discovers her fiance is already wed to her company's top investor. Get the novel this week during its one-year anniversary sale for only 99 cents. And I interviewed Lainey last fall, so I hope you'll check out the interview to learn more about the exit strategy. This is the Thoughts from a Page podcast, which is now a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each episode I interview authors about their latest works or others in the book world about their roles, what those roles entail, and the books they love. For more book recommendations, check out my earlier episodes and my website, thoughtsfromapage.com, and follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Thoughts from a Page. Thanks to Maggie Garza of HTX Real Estate Group for sponsoring my podcast. I am currently running a giveaway related to the podcast, a $125 gift card to either bookshop.org or Blue Willow Bookshop, winner's choice. You can enter by rating and reviewing the podcast, and there's more information on my website. The giveaway is U.S. only and ends on July 19th. I hope you'll enter. I'm also running my first Patreon-only bookseller interview tomorrow with Valerie Kaler of Blue Willow Bookshop. She talks about what makes Blue Willow so special, what the people coming into her shop are reading, and what she personally recommends. I hope you'll check it out. Today, I am chatting about all things bookish with Mary Weber O'Malley, free-range virtual bookseller at large at Skylark Bookshop, and author liaison, scheduling producer for A Mighty Blaze, and Pamela Klingerhorn, creator and host of Literature Lovers Night Out and event coordinator at Valley Bookseller. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Pamela and Mary. I am so glad you are both here to speak with me today. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. Well, why don't we start out with you each talking a little bit about the bookstore where you currently work? Okay. So my name is Mary O'Malley, and I am the Skylark Bookshop Virtual Free Range Bookseller at Large. Skylark Bookshop is located in Columbia, Missouri, and I have never set foot in the store. I came on as a virtual bookseller during COVID, and I'm actually, I live outside Chicago, so I'm really hoping that I'll get to see Skylark in person before too long. It's owned by Alex George, who is an author of seven novels and the founder of 
the Unbound Book Festival in, I believe those are held in April in Columbia, Missouri. So it's a very unique job. And I'm just really, I I love Skylark and all that they stand for. I interviewed Alex um, pretty early on with the podcast and just loved speaking to him and loved his most recent book, The Paris Hours. Absolutely. Wonderful book. And I really want to get to that bookstore at some point. (laughs) So do I. I'm also the author liaison and scheduling producer for the social media company, A Mighty Blaze, which was founded by Caroline Levitt and Jenna Blum. They started this during the early days of COVID when all of the authors' tours were being canceled. They're both authors themselves, and they felt so terrible for all these people who had their books coming out and had their tours kind of yanked out from under them. So they started A Mighty Blaze as a way to light a fire under these authors whose tours were canceled and showcase them on social media. And they now run, I don't know, six or eight interviews every week. Uh, They run mostly on Facebook Live, but they also have all of their interviews on YouTube. They're evergreen there. And they also have a podcast which features a number of their interviews as well. That has really been an amazing thing to see it take off. I mean, just think they just started it a little over a year ago and how popular and widespread it is now. Yes, they've had David Duchovny on. They've had oh, just authors of amazing calibers. They really have turned this into just a, a wonderful ongoing thing, which will continue beyond COVID. And as the author liaison and scheduling producer, because I have gotten to be good friends with so many authors, I'm able to reach out to those authors and invite them to sit in on any one of the segments and I get them scheduled for the various, we have the Thoughtful Bro and Friday Frontliners and Authors Love Bookstores. We now have a baking show once a month. So there's kind of something for everybody there. That's really cool. And I bet that's a fun job for you. A lot of fun. Well, how about you, Pamela? I am currently the events coordinator at Valley Bookseller in Stillwater, Minnesota, which is on the shores of the St. Croix River. We have that in downtown Stillwater, Minnesota, and right across on the other side of the water is Wisconsin. So we are catering to both the suburbs of the Twin Cities and some of the Wisconsin readers. And I have been the creator and host of Literature Lovers Night Out for the last six years, which is a literary event that takes place most months. It has a multi-author format where they all get up and they speak, and uh, we have prizes and refreshments, and it's a ticketed event, and it's a big night on the town for book lovers and book clubs, and we have a lot of fun with it and have brought in authors from all over the country as well as internationally. So you were doing that in person prior to COVID? We most definitely were. We were doing it usually about every month, and we would have the authors fly into Minnesota and do the program one evening to the west of Minneapolis in Excelsior, and then to the east of St. Paul in Stillwater. So we were able to capture two very large reading audiences, and we were having a wonderful time. Usually, we'd have about four authors every month, and audience sizes of about 100 people in each location. And this was something that the community really looked forward to, as did I. And I long to get back to in-person events, but we have been managing virtually during COVID. 
Well, that to me has been the interesting thing about COVID is I've learned about so many of these events that were already happening but had to move online like yours because I do a salon here in Houston. It's not been going on for nearly that long. It's been about two and a half years. And it was more eight times a year, two authors, and we would do it in the morning. But we would get about the same, 100 to 120 people per event. And we loved them. And then we moved online and we're headed back to in-person in September. And I am so ready. Very exciting. Do you know when you guys will head back? At the moment, my first in-person event is planned for November. Jenna Blum has a brand new memoir about her former Labrador Woodrow called Woodrow and the Bench. And she is going to be touring with her current Labrador, Henry to talk about this wonderful dog. And I know it's going to be an event that not only readers are going to love, but dog lovers and families. And so we are looking to really have an explosive return to the stage when we get back to live events in November. Oh, that sounds like it will be fantastic. And I'm dying to get my hands on a a galley of that memoir, and I haven't yet. I keep hearing how good it is. It is. She really, really did a gorgeous job with it been a longtime dog lover and dog owner myself, and it's one of my favorites of the year. So I'm very excited to host her and introduce her to our reading community. And your dogs, right? You're a longtime dog lover, and a lot of times you have your dogs with your books posted online. I love seeing that. (laughs) We refer to them as the marketing team, and I believe that Jenna and Henry are going to be staying with us so that Henry and my Labrador Tucker can play. And we have a very dog-friendly backyard with a fence and a lot of space for them. So we are looking forward to hosting them very much. Oh, that sounds like a ton of fun. Well, what about what your jobs entail exactly? Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, This is Mary again. And because I'm a virtual bookseller, my job is outside of the box of what you might think of when you think of a bookseller. So I do a weekly book talk on both Facebook Live and Instagram Live for Skylark Bookshop, where I showcase uh, three or four books that are releasing that month that I have read, and usually six or eight books that I would love to read if I could just find an extra 30 hours in a day. <laughs> uh, maybe I haven't read them, but I, you know, I've heard great things, and I want those authors to to get some recognition for the work that they did. And then I also post reviews onto Skylark's social media of books that I've read that are forthcoming um, just to get some, some pre-pub love going for those books as well. And I have, because of COVID and all of our events going virtual, I've been very blessed to be able to run some of the virtual author events on behalf of Skylark Bookshop. The first one I got to run was a year ago when Byron Lane came out with his book, A Star is Bored, which is fiction, but loosely based on his time as a personal assistant working for Carrie Fisher. And it's just, it's a funny, heartwarming, touching, snarky, lovely book. And I was able to talk to Byron about his experience in writing it and what he, what kind of research he brought with him from his time working for Carrie. So that's been just a lot of fun. And I, I never expected that my book selling career would lead me in that direction. 
I just recently interviewed Stephen Rowley about the Gunkle, and we talked a little bit about Byron Lane since they're married and the way he had proposed in A Star is Bored, and then Stephen yeah. had responded in the Gunkle, and he was just delightful. Yes, they are both just charming, funny, lovely human beings, and both of their books are phenomenal. I still need to read A Star is Bored. So good. Yeah, but I feel like you feel like if I had another 30 hours in the day, <laughs> if all I could do is read round the clock, then I would read every book that I ever wanted. Me too. What about you, Pamela? My job is also a little bit out of the norm. I am an independent contractor with the Literature Lovers Program. So I have been working for many years now with the publishers and sales reps and editors and publicists and making connections there, trying to find authors who are not only brilliant on the page, but also dazzling on the stage. Because when I put together a program, I want to make sure that they are going to be really, really interesting for the 15 minutes or so that they have to get up there and present their work Mm -hmm. to our reading community. So uh, when I go out to conventions, I love to have the opportunity to meet face to face with many of these authors and just, you know, see how they are socially. Because it's an entirely different skill set to be a brilliant writer than it is to necessarily be a witty raconteur in person. And so fortunately, many of the authors that I have had the pleasure of hosting are absolutely dazzling on stage. And we have had so much fun. They occasionally stay at my home, and we have these literary slumber parties. One time we ended up in a photo in our pajamas in Publishers Weekly. (laughs) It was not something I ever anticipated, but having a wonderful time. And, um, you know, the authors come in, and we pick them up, and we get them for 48 hours. So you really get to kind of establish a relationship with them that you might not have if they were just showing up at your bookstore for a couple of hours to do an event and leave again. Um, So we've had some wonderful friendships um, that I've made through the years that authors have made with other authors on the programs during the years. It's just been an absolute labor of love to do the Literature Lovers program. And we've been fortunate to be able to carry on virtually and do that during the COVID years. Uh, We are looking forward to getting back to in-person travel and events. And it's a lot more work, but it's worth every bit of the labor. That's so interesting that you say that about the personality and being engaging, because that was something when I started the salon here in Houston, I didn't really think a lot about, you know, I just hadn't focused on that aspect of it. We started with Catherine Center, who lives here in Houston, and I just had an event for her and people really enjoyed it. She's so entertaining. So I was like, oh, we'll do it again. I started having to think, oh, I actually really do need to make sure it's somebody that's engaging because, you know, a lot of times writers are kind of more solitary. Not a lot of times. Some writers are more solitary, some are not. And so you don't really know that until you interact with them. And I have found that is one thing about COVID that's made that a little easier because with all these online events, I can look anybody up and they'll have done something. And then I can learn a little bit more about them that way. Right. Because we've all been to the literary event where you're looking for the door, but you're sitting in the front row and you can't get up and escape. So (laughs) I never want one of my events to have that feeling for the audience. So I am always very pleased if I have the opportunity to meet the author first, or like, as you say, now with the proliferation of virtual events, you can usually catch them somewhere on screen. But I do think that that has helped a little bit. Now, you guys have something you're working on together, right? In September, you're going to have the book club buffet. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? 
Yes, I'm going to let Pamela take that one. Either one of us and both of us can talk about that for hours. But Pamela, why don't you talk about the concept of what what you've come up with? Well, I'll get started because this was kind of um, a mutual program for the two of us. Mary and I became friends on social media because we kept always recommending the same books and had kind of the same literary taste. And we both had so many books and authors that we were excited about, but there's just not enough time to do a program with every single author. And we know that many book clubs are looking for great suggestions for books that give them a meaty conversation. And they're also looking for authors who are willing to either come to the club in person or to meet with them virtually and participate in the book discussion. So Mary and I put together a big list of all the authors that we wanted to host. And we cut it down to what we thought was an imaginable amount. And we sent out an invitation and about, oh, Mary, would you say 90% said yes? Yes. And and like immediately these people were responding so enthusiastically. It was so exciting. And when I worked in person at a bookstore twice a year, I used to have a book club open house and we would have 30 to 50 people show up to each session. We'd have a morning and an evening session. And I would go over just books that I had read in the past year, both hardcover and paperback that just made for really good book club discussions. And then I also had the bonus aspect of letting people know which of those authors would Skype in or Zoom in to a book club meeting. And it was just so popular. It was one of the most popular events we held. So when Pamela talked about us combining forces to do an event, this just seemed, it, it, fell into everything that we had hoped it would be. And we're so excited. It's We will be sponsoring this with both of our bookstores. So her bookstore and mine will both be selling the books. There'll be a $10 ticket fee to attend the event, but then you get a $10 coupon to use on any book that any author talked about at either bookstore. So you're really you're getting way more than your mother your money's worth. The other great thing about it is that at the end of the event, we will send out both the recording so that people can bring it back to their book clubs and watch it together and people can decide which books they want to choose for their club to read. But we will also have contact information for all of those authors on how to reach out to them to invite them to either visit or Zoom in to your book club meeting. How much fun? And what's the format going to be? It's going to be kind of a speed dating thing. We're giving each author about three minutes to present their elevator pitch, speedy and fast and furious, and let book clubs know why their book is a good choice for a book club, a kind of a summary of the plot. And then, you know, some points of discussion, what people are liking about it, and why they think that that would be a good choice for their club to discuss. So it's going to be probably about a 90-minute program, but you can watch it all in one delicious dose, or you can break it up when you get your recording and watch it in fits and starts, or just watch the authors with whom you actually have an interest in their book. It's going to be very viewer and user-friendly 
And we think it's going to be a lot of fun. Mary and I are big on prizes and we are saving up some fun stuff from publishers. We're going to raffle off as well. And so you really can't go wrong with a $10 ticket. You get a live event, a recording, prizes, and your money back in the form of a shopping coupon. So it's just a completely fabulous event. And I don't know how you could spend 10 bucks any better anywhere on earth. And how many authors are participating? We have, we initially had hoped to have 25, but in kind of the craziness of the few that had to decline because they were going to be out of the country or on vacation and weren't able to join. And then we invited a few others. So I think our total is 31 now. I think so. But you can go ahead and say, Mary, that you were out of town and I ran amok. (laughs) (laughs) Either one of us could easily run amok when we're inviting authors to hang out with us. Well, and what I was going to say was world travels fast. So it's one of those things where you're like, okay, we have this list of people, but then someone else hears about it. And you're like, well, they would be great too. You know, that's kind of what happens with this podcast. I had planned to have just Tuesdays and Fridays and hardly any week do I have just Tuesdays and Fridays because there's so many good books and so many authors I want to talk to. So I fully understand that. I know it's wonderful to have this problem with just an embarrassment of riches. There's so much talent out there. Exactly. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Book Club Chat. It's a website run by Heather Caliendo. And she has found a niche where she provides book club questions. And she has ended up, I think she gets like 10,000 visitors a day or something. And she just provides book club questions for various books. Sometimes they're requests. A lot of times they're the celebrity picks because those are the ones that seem to get a lot of traffic from her. But there clearly is a need in the book club community. I mean, people are looking for this type of thing, I think. So obviously, y'all are filling it very well, just like she is. Agreed. We, when I was in store, I tried to keep a a display and end cap up at all times of recent books that would just make great book club picks. And that was one of the most popular end caps we had. And I also think that a lot of book clubs tend to fall apart into more casual chatter or wine drinking because they don't necessarily know how to provide themselves with a structure to discuss a book. So having questions prepared on something like that really helps them keep on track with the discussion. And also, of course, having the author there makes people want to engage and stick on topic about talking to the book and really get your money's worth from your book club meeting rather than having it just be another social occasion. And if the author's coming, you're going to get the book read. You know, there are times when I'm headed to my own personal book club and I'm like, oh, I just can't quite get to the end. And so it's not a big deal. But if the author is going to be there, I want to have read the entire book so that I'm ready to go. Absolutely. Good incentive. What about your favorite genres? So I think one of my strengths as a bookseller and, and probably why Pamela and I are such great friends, I love so many different genres. I love fiction, nonfiction memoir, historical fiction, thrillers, nature writing, uh, really everything. You know, I don't read much sci-fi fantasy, but I won't say that I, I don't read any because I do read some. I love essay collections and short stories. It's it's really hard for me to narrow down because on any given day, depending on what I'm reading, I'll tell you that's my favorite genre. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good way to be, though, because then you're open to almost anything. Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah, I'm definitely like Mary. I'm an omnivore. And I you know, I'm constantly surprised by what the publishers send me because I would have 
always said, you know, really fantasy is not a genre that's of interest to me. And yet, was it last year that The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue published? And that definitely had some fantastical elements to it. And it was one of my favorite books of the year. So there I go proving myself wrong. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I always look at your book stacks that you post, Pamela. Because you get them early enough that I'm like, okay, this will tell me what books I need to be on the lookout for. So I'm enlarging them on Facebook and stuff and looking, okay, what what is that book? And I'm looking it up. So you're a great source for me. And I know I found Julie Carrick Dalton through you because you posted her book cover, which is just stunning, in the fall. And I was like, well, that looks really good. So I looked it up and immediately contacted the publisher, got the interview scheduled for the podcast. So uh, you both are great sources for that. Oh, great. And Julie is going to be one of our guest authors on the buffet this fall. Oh, good. She's delightful. She is. And Mary and I were both huge fans of her novel. So it's absolutely just waiting for the night song if anyone's looking for it. It's so good. My literary salon hosted her and Nancy Johnson, actually, with The Kindest Lie in February. Yeah. And they're like best friends. So it was really fun to have that conversation with each other since they'd been in the writing group together and their books published so close in time and were debuts. It was really fun. Yeah. And Nancy will also be on the program with Kind of Sly. So. See, you've got all yeah. sorts of great people, I'm sure. I'm going to have to get signed up, actually. Is the sign up live yet? Not yet. Mary okay. and I are still getting the tickets organized. And that's one of the things we need to discuss this afternoon. Well, it's still far off, but I'm yeah, like, yeah. I need to keep an eye out and so I can make sure all I get registered. There will be plenty of publicity once we are up and running. Yes, I would feel certain. Well, what surprises you the most about your job or jobs? For me, it has to be how truly accessible most authors are. When I started in the bookselling world, I, you know, I pictured authors, you know, especially best-selling authors as being these kind of elusive, aloof people, and what I found quickly was that Authors most love for you to find them on social media and tell them you read their book and they'll respond. They love to be tagged, not in bad reviews. Do not tag an author in a bad review, please. That's the worst kind of etiquette. But in any other type of social media post, authors love to be tagged. They love to be reached out. I quickly, when somebody said, you know, oh, Twitter's a great way to talk to authors. I signed up for a Twitter account and I, for a long time, called myself a, an author stalker because I I reach out to like people that I thought were way out of my league. I mean, I had Eric Idle from, you know, Monty Python answer some of my tweets or retweet them. I've had some really big names who have retweeted or commented on tweets that I've made. If an author's on Instagram, you know, you put a picture of their book and tag them in it, chances are they're going to respond to you. So that for me was a really wonderful surprise about my job. I agree with Mary. It's it's so true that, um, you know, I think people get a little starstruck thinking about talking to their favorite author. And they are surprised at how warm and friendly they are. It's just like talking to your next door neighbor half the time. On the flip side of that, I guess what surprises me is when you plan an event and then most people would be so excited to have someone promoting their work. And then if you get radio silence from the author and, and they don't provide any publicity for the event, that's always shocking to me because I always think, well, why wouldn't you promote your own event and want to sell your book? So that doesn't happen very often, but when it does, 
that that surprises me a lot. That has happened to me a little bit on the podcast. And I'm always the same way. I mean, most, I would say 90%, if not higher, of the authors are great about resharing, talking about it, putting it in a newsletter, whatever it is. But there'll be some that won't. And I always find that a little frustrating too, because I'm like, it's a lot of work. And, you know, you do the interview and I get the podcast ready. And I can see such a difference in the listeners too on the ones that the authors have shared. So it's always a little surprising to me when that happens too. But definitely it's the minority, but it is frustrating. Yes, I agree. And then Mary, back to the tagging authors and negative reviews. I just saw that again twice yesterday. And I just think, how in the world do people still not understand if it is a negative review, do not tag the author? I I don't get it either. It really is equal in my mind to somebody coming up to you when you're holding your baby and saying, boy, that's kind of an ugly baby. <laughs> because honestly, I mean, the book is out how would you expect an author to respond to that? What are they supposed to say? Oh, I'll go change it? Or mention every book is just not going to appeal to every reader. Right. If you don't like something, that's fine. Your opinion is is worthwhile, but you don't have to tell the author that you didn't care for it. Exactly. <laughs> well, and I always say, I think it's one thing to, you know, if an author goes to Goodreads, they're willingly looking up their book on Goodreads. They probably know they're going to encounter some negative reviews. But it's totally different on social media because if your name is tagged, you have no idea what you're tagged for until right. you find the post. So you can't avoid it. And I just think it's, it's so unfair and it's almost you know blindsiding somebody. I agree, Cindy. That's so true. And authors, I mean, they will go look for their bad reviews. A Mighty Blaze on April Fool's Day, April 1st, had, I don't know, we had like 15 or 20 authors that actually videotaped themselves reading their own bad reviews. It was hilarious. Yes. Was. And the, the, the things that were written, it was hilarious. And like you said, they went looking for those and they, you know, they're aware that not everybody's going to like their book, but to tag them on social media with a, a bad review is just to me in, in very poor taste. I agree completely. Hopefully, eventually that message will get through. Yes. What about how COVID has impacted your job and the bookselling industry? Well, I'll have to say it has really impacted my job. And when COVID hit, we had programs lined up that we all had to cancel really quickly. And then, of course, Zoom came along and we all had to get trained on that. So then when we started getting back up and running with some programming, you know, we really weren't sure how this were, was going to go. but the good thing was we ended up getting nice size audiences for just about every program. I mean, usually well over a hundred people and many views later because we had a recorded event. So that was the upside that I was now presenting these authors and programs to people, not just in Minnesota, but all over the country and internationally. The flip side of that was that when I have a live event and people purchase a ticket to come to my event, it includes a ticket to buy a book that night or for part of a book, a $10 coupon. So I, if I have 100 people, I know I'm going to sell 100 books. Online, people just don't have the same compulsion to purchase a book after they've watched a virtual program. It's easier to say, oh, I'll get it later or... I'm in California, I'll go to my bookstore down the street or I'll get it from the library because you're not right there with the author and having the opportunity to get it signed. So unfortunately, 
actual sales have decreased tremendously during the event. Um, When I would normally maybe sell a couple cases of a book, those numbers are just way down. We experience the exact same thing. And I do think when you're meeting the author in person, like you said, you have the chance to have the book signed and a lot of times personalized. Sometimes people will buy an extra one as a gift for a friend, you know, to Sarah kind of thing. You know, I think that makes such a big difference. And our sales plummeted too with the online events because either people are like, I'll get it from the library or like you said, I will buy it somewhere else, borrow it from a friend. But I think when you're in person and you're there with the author, they're much more likely to buy the book than if you're online. A couple times a year, we would do the Literature Lovers program as a luncheon at a country club. And of course, everyone's, you know, they're sitting with authors, they're dining with authors. We would normally do it in November. So people are doing a lot of holiday gift shopping. And, you know, they might buy as many as six copies of a title that they're enthusiastic about and have them personally signed to friends and family for gifts. And you, of course, just don't get that kind of interaction and experience online. So That'll be something that I know people will embrace once again when we're returning to live events. Because it's such fun to give a book to somebody when you've met the author. And you can say, you know, I sat next to them at lunch, like you're talking about. We had this great conversation. I got the book personalized for you. I mean, that's a wonderful gift. And so when you lose that, I think that does make a huge difference. Agreed. I actually would not have the job I have if not for covid So that was a big silver lining for me. The bookstore that I was working at in person was not profitable. So they had shut their doors and they had, you know, announced that before COVID, but the closing didn't happen until the middle of COVID. Well, the middle of COVID, bookstores weren't hiring anybody new. I don't really have one that's close enough to to make it feasible. And I was devastated at the thought of not being part of this community because being a bookseller has just become such an integral and important part of my life. I couldn't imagine not doing that. So after, you know, just sitting back for a little bit and trying to figure out what I could do, I reached out to Alex George at Skylark and said, you know, I realized that the bookstores that are staying open are at a very skeleton staff, they're scrambling just to, you know, handle their curbside deliveries or phone orders. You know, the days that I was still working at the other bookstore in-house, it was insanity. There was no bandwidth for book recommendations, social media posts outside of, you know, here's our hours this week. And these are all the events we've canceled this week. Um, there just wasn't anything. So I approached Alex with the idea that I could be their virtual bookseller and do all those things that I talked about earlier on behalf of Skylark to still maintain their social media presence and keep myself within the book world. And Alex and Carrie jumped at it. And none of us have looked back for even a second. I'm so grateful for that. However, as an industry Something, a big change I'm seeing is, and I know publishers have not, nobody's really finalized. Everybody's still figuring out what the new world is going to look like as far as author tours. And I don't feel like a lot of publishers will be sending authors on tour the way that they used to. I think that's going to be scaled down somewhat. And I also believe that these virtual events there are readers that are not near an indie bookstore that 
don't have these opportunities to interact with authors or be there for an author event who have so wholly embraced the virtual platforms that I truly believe that publishers are going to find a way to combine those where maybe authors go on on tour on a limited basis and maybe a little closer to home and then they supplement with the virtual events. I really believe that this hybrid model is where publishers will be uh, looking to keep their audiences and grow them uh, without losing the author tour completely. I think you're probably right. And on some level, I think that's great. But on the flip side of it, I feel like it is so oversaturated right now, you know, that you can see one author 10 or 15 places. And after a while, you're only pulling in so many people, unless you do something different and unique like you guys do. But I think there's just so many of kind of the standard things. And it seems like sometimes when I pop on them, there's just not very many people on them because there are so many of them. Absolutely. It is saturated right now. And I think that's something that we're going to see changing too. And we're seeing some of that now where authors aren't just doing virtual events with one bookstore. There may be a region like the Midwest Independent Booksellers Association where There might be five or six stores that sign on for an author event. So it's one event that, you know, is is benefiting and bringing in readers from six different stores. Something like that in September with um, Paula Hawkins, who wrote The Girl on the Train for her um, next book, Slow Fire Burning. There's six stores and we're going to be um, hosting the event altogether and selling the books nationwide but it'll be one event and six stores where people can register. And will she sign the books that will be sold by those six stores? Um, Yes. This event will have special tipped in copies, which is for those who aren't familiar with the term tipped in, it's where the author signs um, the front page and then they're inserted into special editions of the books. So it's like a signed first edition. Because I have seen that happening a little bit more too, that certain stores are getting signed copies and it's not that many stores. And then they're having an event. And I do think you get more people at those events, especially if the stores are requiring the book sale. Agreed. Right. Mm-hmm. So we try to do different things, either um, you know, have a signed first edition, um, have the author in conversation with another really incredible author. So it generates some excitement uh, doing multi-stores together all different kinds of things. But I do think people are ready and excited to come back for a live program. And I'm expecting some really large audiences when we do bring that back. Because from what I hear on social media from my customers is that they really can't wait to get back in front of a live author and have that experience one-on-one with that kind of energy. Again, that's it's great on Zoom, but you can't replicate that live event. I agree with that completely. And I think if you see some of the authors whose books have come out in May and June, who just decided to go ahead and do their own type of tour where they will be in person, they've had record turnouts and things selling out immediately. So I do think there will be floods of people showing up for these things. I hope so. (laughs) I do too. Working on, you know, keeping it safe, keeping people, you know, so they're not squashed together, but um, safe and sanitary and we'll, you know, rework some things, but... uh, make some new changes for the better, and keep the things that we really love about it. Well, I always love to hear what both of you all are reading and recommending. So I have to say this is my favorite part of the interview, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say. But I would love to hear what you have read recently, or even not that recently, that you recommend. 
I'm happy to share that with you. And I do want um, people to know that if you want to follow my book recommendations, you can find me. This is Mary again on Instagram at Blurb Your Enthusiasm. So that's where I review all of my, uh, the forthcoming titles. I'm usually reading, as both of you probably are, a few months in advance. So you can find all of the good stuff there. But the things, and boy, this is, this is my favorite part too, but it's so hard to narrow it down. So I revised and went over this list and eliminated and then added. Uh, and this is what I've come up with. So The Ride of Her Life by Elizabeth Letts, which just came out in June, which is, I think, my favorite nonfiction book. Well, one of my two favorites of the year. Uh, it's an incredible story. It's nonfiction. It's a biography, and yet it reads like fiction. It's Americana. It's history. It's a woman who was given two years to live at age like 54. This was in the 1950s, and she decides to ride a, a horse from Maine to California. Incredible story. Loved it so much. Uh, my other nonfiction that has just grabbed my heart is called The Fox and I by Catherine Raven. I think that may have come out today. It is an incredible story about a woman who, it's a true story. She's a national park ranger, and she developed this relationship with this fox over a couple of years' time. It is one of the most heartwarming, lovely, smile on my face all the way through stories. A book that came out in January, The Prophets by Robert Jones Jr., is one of probably my top five books I've ever read. It is a book about two gay men who are uh, slaves on a plantation. The writing is astoundingly good, and the story is gut-wrenching. Another book that this I didn't realize I would be so heavy on nonfiction. This book just knocked me sideways. It's Why Fish Don't Exist by Lulu Miller. Came out a year ago. I, it might be coming out in paperback next month. Lulu Miller is an NPR host, and Why Fish Don't Exist is part biography, part memoir, part history, part mystery. Uh, it's got a little murder in there, some eugenics, and the biggest karma slap across the face I have ever seen or read about. It's an incredible story. It's got science in there. Um, it's one of those books that I feel you can give to really anybody and they will enjoy it no matter what genre they read. And then I, I always have to, my first author that I successfully stalked was Julia Claiborne Johnson after I read her wonderful book, Be Frank With Me. Be Frank With Me is probably the number one book I hand sold when I was in store to people who would come in and say, you know, my Aunt Betty is a voracious reader. She's read everything, but I want to give her a book. What would you recommend? Be Frank With Me, I feel like didn't get nearly the recognition it should have. It was an amazing, amazing story. And Julia Claiborne Johnson is one of the, the most amazing women and authors that I know. So that is my list. And I loved her new book, Better Luck Next Time. I did as well. I adored it. I did too. 
Yeah, it was just, it'll be one of my top reads this year. I just, I absolutely love Ward. I love that it was told in the second person. It was humorous, but it had a lot of depth and that cover just all the way around. Agreed. An absolute winner. That's for sure. Do you know, Mary, what park the Fox and I take place in? We love to go to national parks and that sounds like such a great book. You know, I I think it took place, I want to say it was in Montana. I don't know if Pamela remembers. That's right, Mary. Um, but it's, it was at her home. Yes. Oh, okay. Not in a national yeah, park. but she lived in like a homesteading, um, homesteading place. And if you're a huge national park fan, I just have to give one more plug. I don't remember the author. It's a forthcoming book. I think it's coming out in the fall, like perfect for gift giving, Subpar Parks. It is a coffee table book of the national parks, beautiful photos, fun facts, but each section starts with a one-star review that somebody, a visitor to that park gave. Like, I just saw something about that, but maybe it was from you. I Somebody posted about that not too yes, long ago. I, I posted about it recently. Okay. It is a, I, in fact, I already know people I'm giving that to, people who love national parks. It's got things like the Arches National Park, the bad review was, looks nothing like the license plate. Uh, yeah, I think it was your post, but I thought I have to track that down because I do absolutely love national parks and we travel around and go to different ones each year. And, and so I thought that book is right up my alley. And then there's also a national park book, maybe a California one about crimes in national parks that haven't been solved or something like that that's coming out this year. I haven't seen that. I'll look oh, I thought maybe it. that's what you were going to talk about. Well, Mary, um, Subpar Parks, I just Googled it while we were s- talking. It's by Amber Share, S-H-A-R-E, and it comes out on July 13th. Okay, good. Well, I'm going to have to try to check that one down. Well, I thought Mary and I might overlap completely because, as we have said, we have very similar taste in literature. Fortunately, I had made a very lengthy list, so I have some other ones in addition to Mary's wonderful recommendations. One of my top picks for the year came out in January. It's called What Could Be Saved by Lise O'Halloran Schwartz. And this is about a family. Um, their father is in the... Um, you know, ambassador work and that during the Vietnam years, they're in Thailand and the youngest son goes disappearing. And it takes place back and forth between when that happened and in the present, where the two older sisters have now received a message saying that this person has their brother and they should come and pick him up. And it really is a riveting family drama. It was just breathtaking. And my hat is off to her. I think that book clubs will really embrace that one. There is so much to talk about. You should start early in the evening. (laughs) And chat all night long about it, right? (laughs) Exactly. Mary recommended this one to me that I'm currently reading. It's called In Every Mirror, She's Black. It's coming from Source Books. And I'm hoping I'm doing justice to the author's name. It's Lola Akinmade Egerstrom. Is that right, Mary? I believe so. Um, it's about three women, um, one of whom is a flight attendant, and one is a Somali refugee who cleans a building, and another is very high up in the business world, and they all are working in some capacity for this man in Sweden and how that affects them as immigrants and women of color. Absolutely fascinating. And I just can't even imagine how this is going to end, but it is really keeping my attention. Um, one of my favorite 
works of historical fiction this year is by S. Kirk Walsh, and it's called The Elephant of Belfast. And this was inspired of the real story of a very young woman who worked at the zoo in Belfast during World War II and what she went through to try and save the animals, in particular, this elephant with whom she has a relationship. And I found the story just really riveting and compelling. And she did a great job with the research, as well as just bringing that time period to life. So Elephant of Belfast. And for a fun one, Jamie Brenner has an absolute sparkling delight of a summer novel that is, I think it's coming out today. It's called Blush, and it takes place in a vineyard. And it's also a tribute to those wonderful novels that were such big blockbusters in the late 70s and early 80s, like Scruples. I don't know how many of you read those and you know hid them under the covers from your parents when you were teenagers because they were so scandalous, but lots of fun. And Jamie Brenner puts out a great, fun summer novel every year or so, and she has done it again with Blush. So uh, pour yourself a lovely glass of rosé and settle in to enjoy this one. And my last shout out is something you want to mark your calendars for January of 22. It is called The Maid and it's by Nita Prose. It's coming from Ballantyne. And if you were a fan of Eleanor Oliphant, it's completely fine. Or the book that Mary mentioned, Be Frank With Me. You are going to want to get a copy of The Maid. It has already been optioned and cast for a film. And it is about a woman who is somehow on the spectrum. She's a housekeeper at a very fancy hotel, and she's very good at it because she likes rules and regulations, and she's very literal. But unfortunately, she walks into one of the rooms that she takes care of, and she finds a dead body. And take it from there with all of the police and the different people working in the hotel, and it makes for a lot of fun. So there's just so much great reading that is available now and coming up. I could go on all day, but I'm going to stop right there and let people get reading with those titles. As soon as you said January 22, I knew that was the book you were going to say. There has been (laughs) so much buzz about that book already. I have it through NetGalley, but I haven't started it yet. Oh, you're going to just tear through it. It was so much fun to read. Well, I can't wait to read it. So, well, thank you both so much for joining me today. This has been so interesting. And now I have a new list of books to read, which, of course, you know, adds to my already huge stack. But these will move up because I trust both of your recommendations. So thank you both, Mary and Pamela, for joining me today in the Thoughts from a Page podcast. Thanks so much for having us, Cindy. Yes, it was wonderful to be here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you like this episode, and I hope you did, please consider becoming a page turner in my Patreon program. Follow me on Instagram at Thoughts from a Page. Tell all of your friends about the podcast and rate it or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. Thanks so much to Lainey Cameron and the Exit Strategy for sponsoring this episode. Thanks to Maggie Garza of HTX Real Estate Group for sponsoring my podcast, and I hope you'll tune in next time. I'm Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. 
Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast.